0: 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. All of us are vessels in the house of the Lord. We are instruments in his hand, tools made for his exclusive use, created for his purposes. We are containers that he can fill with his power and presence. Can you say amen? Amen. Let me give you another scripture. Romans chapter 9 verse 22 says this, what if God desiring to show his wrath and make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. This verse refers to sinners, the lost, as vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. You see, that is the spiritual condition of all men without Christ. I say again, that is the spiritual condition of all those who are without the Lord. John chapter 3, verse 36, says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Note, carefully this verse does not say that god places his wrath on those who do not believe it says the wrath of god remains on those who do not believe all men have sinned and deserve his judgment because he's a just god he must punish sin but when a person believes in the son of god the wrath is removed. Can you say amen to that? Again, a similar verse in John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Notice the next verse, whoever believes in him is not condemned. How many of you believe in him this evening? I said, how many of you believe in him this evening? That means you're not condemned. Glory to God. However, Whoever does not believe in him or whoever does not believe is condemned already. Jesus did not leave his home in heaven and come to this earth to condemn sinners. They are already condemned. He came to make it possible for them to be, walk away from the condemnation. I should say to be set free. He came to rescue them and save them from sin. Amen? You see, God said to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 9, verse 15, you could l- read it later on yourself. Basically, God said to Pharaoh, I could have removed you and your people from the face of the earth in one fell swoop, in an instant. In another place, he said, like a man who wipes you know, a plate clean, I could have wiped you off the map. I could have done that. But the Lord was patient. I don't know if you understand this. The Lord was patient with the Egyptians and kept giving Pharaoh another chance. So you need to look at it from that standpoint. He kept giving Pharaoh another chance to let the Israelites go. But he knew that, he, that Pharaoh would not. And this was to give God the occasion to demonstrate his power. And Romans 9, 17 says that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You know, when you read the story of the Exodus, which I'm I'm referring to, you might think that God was being unfair to the Egyptians. No, he wasn't. Those people were already condemned. They're lost. They're headed straight toward hell. They deserve to die. But Pharaoh's stubbornness gave God an opportunity to demonstrate his power and to work miracles to show to the world that he was the only true and living God. In fact, some of the Egyptians did believe. The Bible says concerning one of the plagues in Exodus 9.20 that Moses said God is going to send giant-sized hail." So you need to bring, you know, hail, like like ice stones from the sky. So you need to bring your cattle, you know, in from the fields. And it says the Egyptians who feared the Lord brought their livestock in. In other words, when Moses first spoke to Pharaoh, you know, Pharaoh said, Who are you? I don't know you. I don't know your God. And the Egyptians said, What do you want, old man? But after one sign, after another sign... The Egyptians began to change their mind. Moses became a very great man, even in the sight of the Egyptians. In fact, when they left Egypt, some of those Egyptians went with them. That would never have happened, except God had an opportunity. He was being patient with the vessels deserving his wrath so that he could show his power for their benefit, you understand. Hallelujah. But notice Romans 9.23. Are you still here tonight? Romans 9.23 says, in order to make known the riches, Romans 9.23, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand, I'm waiting, (laughs) I'm waiting. Romans 9.23, in order to make known the riches of his glory For vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. So in this verse, believers are called vessels of mercy. Sinners were called vessels of wrath. Believers are called vessels of mercy. It's not that we are more deserving. Yes, thank you. Better late than never. It's not that we are more deserving than others. But we have all failed, just as the Egyptians have failed. We have failed, but we have received, this is so important, the mercy that God has offered to us. Hmm. So that means it's imperative that we receive the mercy of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says this. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Notice that carefully. Through the cross, God reconciled the world to himself. This is not something that God is going to do one day in the future. It's already done. He already paid the price for their sin, and it says he's no longer counting their trespasses against them. Well, does that mean that the world is already saved? They're automatically saved? No. No, not at all. You see, God has given us the task of preaching and sharing with them this message of reconciliation, this good news, so that they can hear it and believe it. Verse 20, chapter 5, verse 20 says this, Therefore... We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. See, we represent the Lord. We are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. Hallelujah. The Bible tells you who you are. Amen? When I read this verse, I think of an incident that occurred to me and my wife many years ago. You'll forgive me for sometimes repeating myself, but uh, this was in the early 90s. We had just come to Nogland. Maybe it was 95, 96, something like that. And so uh, the, uh, the British High Commissioner was coming to dimapur dimapur he was coming to dimapur and so uh, he was going to stop in one house of a of a politician and have lunch have a little lunch in there and then he would cabbage on to his next stop. And so uh, that person was was a distant relative of my wife, and so somehow, I don't remember how it happened, but we contacted them and asked, well, is it okay if we also attend this little lunch? And They said, well, you can come to the house, but you can't be in this same room. There's only so many people, but sure, that's fine. So so we drove up, me and my wife and our little gypsy, we drove up to that house, and uh, as we drove up, both uh, uh, both the walkway, the driveway, I should say, was lined with a with, with, uh, you know, Naga policemen or, you know, these these armed cadets, whatever, whatever they're called, you know, soldiers all lined up on both sides of the driveway. So we drove up in our little gypsy. We got there a little bit earlier. And as we drove up and stopped, I got out of the car, and one of the soldiers said, and they all saluted me. <laughs> and I got out, and I just waved like that, you know. <laughs> So good to be here with you. See, they thought I was the ambassador. <laughs> you know, how you know? obviously. They thought I was the And Jeppe explained to them, no, 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 he's not the ambassador. And they all went like, here, quickly, get in the house. You're, you're not supposed to be here. Get in the kitchen, come on, get out of here. But you know what? They should have saluted me, and they should salute you too, because you are not an ambassador of Britain. You are not an ambassador of America. You are not an ambassador of Germany. You are ambassador of heaven. You are an ambassador of the Most High God. And we have a message from heaven to the world. And it says the Lord is making his appeal through us. God's not preaching through the clouds and the rocks and the grass and the trees. God's not gonna write the gospel in the sky. He's making his appeal through you because you are his ambassador. The word appeal means an urgent request. This is urgent. The Passion Translation says, as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Think about that. When you share the good news, God is directly pleading with them. What is he saying? Receive this mercy. Receive it. He's pleading with them through your lips. Come on, some people say, I wish God would speak to me. He is. He is. He's using his vessels of mercy. Hallelujah. Then it says, says, we implore you on behalf of Christ... Be reconciled to God. Actually, the word you, we implore you. That word you is not there in the Greek. Paul's writing to the Corinthians. They're already saved. They're already reconciled to God. They have already believed. Actually, he just means we implore them. We implore the world. Be reconciled to God. The word implore means to ask. Actually, even to beg. We implore you. So we shouldn't have the attitude like, well, I'd like to get saved? Okay. If you want to, come on. If you want to go to hell, that's fine too. No, 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 that should not be our attitude. It should be, no, we implore you. We're urgently asking you, receive this mercy passionately. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 9, verse 23 again. To make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. God chose you. See, you might say, well, I've been in and out of church all my life and I heard the old, old story and I chose Jesus. That might be what you say and that might be your story, but heaven would say, no, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I reached down, and I grabbed you, and I chose you. Hallelujah. And notice he prepared us for something. He chose you, and he prepared you for something, for glory. Some translations will help us. The CEV, Contemporary English Version, says to share in his glory. To share in his glory. The Passion Translation says to receive his glory. to receive his glory. The message translation says this, that we are carefully crafted to show his glorious goodness. People need to know how good God is. How are they going to know? Through his vessels of mercy. God will bless you extremely exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. Why? You might say, well, I have enough. I mean, I have all that I need, and I'm fine. I'm content. You may be content, but God is not content. He wants to bless you to show the world that He is a good, good Father. He's a good God. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul said this, that though we were non-Jews, we have been grafted into the stock of Abraham, and we have been saved through the covenant. Hallelujah. And we are supposed to make the Jewish people jealous. They should see what we have and say, I want that. In fact, the whole world should be jealous. You know, when you talk to most people, you know, and you tell them you're a Christian and you're a child of God and, and, and you're a believer. They, they, most people, they have that kind of a nonchalant attitude. Oh, that's nice. My grandmother was religious too. We need more people like you. That's, that's nice. See, they, they, they may appreciate you, but they don't envy you. They actually feel sorry for you. You poor sucker, wasting your time every Sunday morning. Oh, <laughs> You're an idiot, but I like you. No, 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 no. They should, they should see what we have. They should see the life of God in us. They should see the power and the presence and the blessing of God. And they might say, I don't understand all of this, but here's one thing I know. What you have is what I need. Yeah. Glory to God. So let the Lord bless you. I said, let the Lord bless you. Yeah. If nothing else, for the sake of this world, I'm not just talking about money or something like that. I'm just talking about in every facet of life. Let the Lord bless you. The New Life version says this. He made them ready for his shining greatness from the beginning. Shining greatness. Whoo, whoo. Are you ready? You don't even know the question. (laughs) Are you ready? Are you ready for his shining greatness? In your life. <clears throat> one more translation, rather interesting. The voice translation says that we are prepared for great beauty. I don't know about you, but I claim that one. How about you? <laughs> he will beautify the meek with salvation. He will beautify, not uglify, beautify the meek with salvation. I mean, God will make you look good. I said, God, I think even physically, I could preach another sermon. Maybe somebody needs to hear this sermon. God will even change your countenance. I think when a person gets saved, it even changes the way they look. I remember I was in the country of Hungary. Not Hungary, I know you're hungry. In the country of Hungary. It's in Eastern Europe. And I spoke in a little flat, a little home meeting that somebody had. And, and then after I spoke, we, we, we prayed with people individually. You know, to get saved and, and to be filled with the Spirit. And so they, they, they brought one woman in the room. There was me and the translator and a couple other, another person or something. So this woman came in, and she was rather plain looking. How can I say this in a nice way? Not very pretty. Kind of like, um, well, never mind. <laughs> Someone raise your hand. I need a volunteer. Okay. <laughs> I'm teas- you know I'm teasing you. She, she, was, she was borderline ugly. <laughs> I didn't tell her that. Hey, you're, you're pretty ugly. I didn't say that to her. And so uh, we prayed with her to, to be saved, you know, and then to be filled with the spirit, you know. And I got my eyes closed. I'm leading her in prayer, and she got filled with the spirit. And when, when I opened my eyes, her face was radiant. Just I'll never forget. Her face was just radiant, just radiant, glowing. And I thought, she looks pretty good. <laughs> Think of all the money you could save. <laughs> Man, some of those cosmetics haven't helped you very much. <laughs> we, we appreciate it. All of us men are grateful, but there's something better than that. Oh, I think I could preach another sermon. I'll get in trouble. I'll get in trouble. Sarah was 90 years old. You've heard me say this. She was 90 years, not 19, honey, 9-0, not 90. And a flisting king fell in love with her. sent his men and grabbed her off the street. What's going on here? Either God did something to his eyes, or God did something to her. How many of the Argenics impact guys standing on a street corner? Here comes a 90-year-old Naga woman. Hey, baby. I know some of them are desperate, but they're not that desperate. <laughs> that's, the, that's the blessing. Are you listening? That's the blessing. That's the blessing of Abraham. That's the blessing of Sarah. You're a daughter of Sarah. You should say, that's mine. I claim that, I claim that. I, oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. This is not in my notes, obviously. We should look at a photograph of you from four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 years ago, and you should look better today than you look back then. Amen. 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 Most people, you know, it's the opposite. If they write a book, they put a picture there in 1980, like, you know. I was invited to speak at Ramah, you know, in Nagpur, and I gave them my photo. When I showed up, they didn't recognize me. (laughs) The Lord has enlarged my ministry since that photo was taken. (laughs) How did I get off on that? I always intend to be serious, but praise the Lord. We are vested. Jeppy's going to love this. We, We are prepared to share his glory, to receive his glory. The word glory, as we said this morning, if you were here, the word glory also means honor. God selected us because we believe. God chooses those who choose him. He selected us because we believe. He selected us to be promoted to a position of prominence for honor. He has made us who were once not a people to now become the people of God. Come on, I think we say these words so frequently that they've lost their impact in our lives. We are the people of God. He is our God. We are his people. We are now. We are now a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Hallelujah. We are sons of the living God. Glory to God. You know, everybody in Nagaland, probably Manipur and Mizoram too, I'm not sure, but, you know, people are wild about titles. You know, when I first came to Nagaland, I was so interested to see people driving around in a gypsy with a, with a red, you know, a plate on the front of it with some kind of a title, you know, Director General, you know, uh, Inspector General, Grand Imperial Bah, some kind of title. Everybody's got some kind of, everybody's wild about some. Everybody wants a title. Sometimes I was asked to preach at a meeting, you know, somewhere uh, in India or maybe even in this part of the world. And, you know, and, uh, and so they said, well, what is your title? And I said, Brother John. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. So I show up at the meeting, they have a banner, and it's like Apostle John or Prophet John or... <laughs> Executive director, <laughs> his majesty. You know all these old mag- these wild titles. No, listen, here, here it is. It's not a title, it's a fact. You are a child of God. <laughs> There's nothing better than that. You know, you can go to a party and rub elbows with people. I am the executive director. I'm the executive secretary. I'm the I'm the general secretary. Who are you? I'm a child of God. <laughs> 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 but we say it with tones of humility. Hallelujah! Honor. But the word glory, of course, can also refer to the manifested presence of God. The, manifest, the tangible presence. God is always present everywhere, but His presence is not always manifested everywhere, you see. We could even call this the radiant splendor of His Spirit. We are to be receptacles of his glory, that we can shine brightly for the Lord. The word glory can also mean the demonstration of God's extreme goodness. say, how do you know that? Here's how I know it. The Bible is its own dictionary. It defines the words that it uses. In Exodus 33 verse 18, God said to Moses, show me your glory. Show me your glory. He's, talk, he's not talking about just honor. He's talking about the very presence, the manifested presence of God. And God answered him in verse 19 by saying this. This, is, this was God's response. I will make all of my goodness pass before you. Isn't that interesting? Show me your glory. He didn't say, I'll make my cloud pass before you. I'll make my fire pass before you. I'll make the wind blow. You know. I'll, I'll make the earth shake. He said, I'll make all of my goodness Pass before you. Hey, you, you, you know the Lord is good. You have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. But I dare say there's nobody in this room that has experienced all of the goodness of God. God can pour out His goodness on you until it's more than you can contain. You have to say, Stop it, stop it. I can't take any more of this. I'm telling you, the Lord is good. And He calls His glory His goodness. In the manifestation of his presence are all of the goodness, the good attributes, the blessings of God. Woo, Whoo. Hallelujah. We are vessels of mercy, prepared for glory. So we today must contend for the glory so that we can become containers of his glory and then carry his glory to this world. Vessels are meant to be filled. So we should be full of his goodness, full of his truth, full of his power. The human heart was designed to be poured into. If it isn't filled with God, it will be filled with something else. There is an inner longing in every person to be filled. You know, if the empty jars, unfilled jars and containers on our kitchen shelf could talk, they might say something like this. I feel so empty. (laughs) I feel so empty. Day after day. Just sitting here, doing nothing, just getting dusty. I want to be useful in this house. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. We are vessels. Vessels are meant to be filled. Before my wife fills a jar, you know, with some kind of thing, you know, alchene, some other radioactive material. Before my, wife, before my wife fills a jar, she washes it. It may be on the shelf, but she, wash, she takes it with her hand. She washes it. And then she fills it. God cleansed you in the blood so that he could fill you. <laughs> Cleansing is not an end in itself. Cleansing is a means to an end so that you could become a container of his glory. And man may be saved and he may be sanctified but he will never be satisfied until he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen? In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, you know the scriptures. Many of you, it says, and they were all filled. They were what? They were filled. God's a filler, isn't he? He's a filler. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Greek word for filled plētho I believe it's pronounced that way. plētho means filled and fulfilled. Filled, but it also means fulfilled. You will never be fulfilled as a believer until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The word pletho, this Greek word for filled, also means to imbue, I-M-B-U-E, to imbue. What does that mean? To permeate, saturate. It also means to inject and charge up, to diffuse, to spread out, and to cover. Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter one, verse five, again, you know it, but sometimes you can get fresh revelation from a verse you've read a hundred times John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now the greek word baptizo means to immerse to sink into to dip to submerge now if i want to fill if i want to fill a cup of water i could just simply take a container of water and just pour that water into that vessel into that cup What if I wanted to fill a cup with ocean water, seawater? Well, I can't go to the beach and then pick up the sea and pour it into that cup. It's bigger than me, a whole lot bigger. It's not even possible. The only way I could fill that cup is to plunge that cup into the ocean. God didn't just, you know, uh, give you a little taste. He plunged you into the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. He plunged you. He submerged you. He immersed you. Boom. That's how he filled you with the Holy Spirit. It's impossible for a person to be baptized with water and not get wet. When have we have a, a baptistry right here, you know, we just had a baptismal service not too long ago, you know. And it's always... Not, uh, I don't want to say humorous, but it's rather curious. You know, sometimes people, you know, they get into the pool and they look so, you know, uh, you know, kind of cool and fashionable like that, and you know, too cute for themselves. You know, then we go in the name of the Father, Son, of Holy, and boom, and they come up. Everything is wet. Their underpants is wet. Everything is wet. They're just dripping wet. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Their whole body is soaking wet. God doesn't want to give you a small taste of the spirit. You need more than a little touch. God wants you to be saturated, drenched, immersed in the spirit. And it is the will of God that you stay full. Don't dry out, stay wet. Woohoo! Hallelujah. We must continually be refreshed and renewed in the spirit. In John 7, verse 37, Jesus said in the weast translation, John 7:37, if anyone thirsts, let him be coming to me and let him be drinking. That's what the Greek says. In verse 39 says, This he said concerning the Spirit. We come once for salvation. We're baptized in water once. We're baptized with the Holy Spirit once but we continually come to him to be filled and filled again and renewed. Does anybody thirst in this place? If any man thirst, Jesus said, let him be coming to me. In other words, Jesus said, if you come to me, come thirsty. Don't come satisfied. Don't come complacent, come hungry. Come desirous of more, more than what this mere life can offer. If you come, come thirsty and keep coming let him be coming to me and let him be drinking not thinking drinking receiving taking hold of glory to god if i said you know here have some bottled water well you don't put it on your head you you know you don't put it in your just put in your pocket that doesn't quench your thirst you receive it you open up yourself you receive it you need to receive we need to be receivers of the holy spirit whoo you know John G. Lake compared the Holy Spirit to electricity. I don't know much about electrical engineering, but I know that there are conductors of electricity and there are resistors. Electricity flows easily through a copper wire. It flows easily through some materials. It's conductive. You know, that's how they, that's why they don't make the electric wire, the wires, you know, in front of the building made out of plastic. They're made out of, of aluminum or they're made out of some kind of metal because electricity will flow through that. But electricity doesn't flow through like rubber, you know, and clay and other kinds of uh, materials. That stops the flow. Some people in the body of Christ are conductors and some are resistors. I know I lay hands on quite a few people and I think to myself, that's a conductor, that's a conductor, that's a resistor, that's a conductor. In other words, some people, you know, are like Stephen said, you stiff necked people. You always resist the Holy Spirit. God wants to do something, and you push back. He touches you, you touch him back. You know, you're, you're, you're not receptive, you're resistors. You need to be the kind of person that God can just flow through you easily. Like you're, like, you're like copper, you're like aluminum, you're like gold. Just the power of God just flows through you. Unhindered. Woo-hoo! So in other words, it kind of depends what you're made of the quality of your character, what's in your heart. Make a few changes, and we don't have to pray 12 hours for you to get one little drop. Oh, I got something. I mean, just we just look at you, and the Spirit of God flows right into you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We are vessels to be filled. Are you still here tonight? It doesn't sound like that's very convincing. Are you still here tonight? Yes. Listen. We're not coming back tomorrow night. I mean, you can come if you want to. You'll be alone with the Lord, but, uh, but this is it. So we're going we're gonna to get it done today. I'm not going to take up all your time, but we're going to get it done. Let me just change uh, gears. Notice with me Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Ephesians 3, 16. Paul prayed to God for these Christians that according to the riches of his glory, he, God, may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, in your inner man, in your spirit. Notice he will strengthen us out of the riches of his glory. Out of his glory. What you need is found in the manifested presence of God. The carpenter translation is a a, a rather a loose paraphrase, but it may give us some insight. Let me read this to you. It's rather long. The carpenter translation says this. As a rich man keeps his chief treasures and in an inner strong room of the house, I want the deep center of your life to be a stronghold where the Holy Spirit reigns. In other words, like, I bet there's, I bet there's some poisa there's some, there's some in your house. Gorti poisa, I say. That's really terrible Nagamese, you know. <laughs> right, I bet... Uh, I'm just guessing but I bet that somewhere maybe in your bedroom or somewhere there's a there's a little hiding place there. You don't have to tell me. I'm just I, this is not a word of knowledge. I'm just I'm just making a point. And you've got that 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 cash, that stash hidden in that in that someplace. I bet you don't keep it on the veranda. Huh? I bet it's somewhere, some little secret little place there. That probably the innermost part of the house. That's where you keep your treasures. Maybe you got some little, you know, some other little valuable thing. You know, some ring, jewelry, something. It's kept in that thing. Let God says your spirit, your spirit, is that depository where I keep my treasures, where I can deposit all of these riches in your spirit. Whew. Say you're looking for something out here. No, God wants to put it in here. There's some things. See, you're saved. Listen, these people are saved. These people are Christians already. They know the Lord. They're born again. There's, there's more. There's more. There's more that God wants to put in you. Are you listening to me? He says in verse 17, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Wait a minute. Paul is praying for born-again Christians. Christ already dwells in their heart. Huh? We don't need to say, Lord, come into my heart. If you're a child of God, he lives in your heart. I remember, you know, when I first met my wife, she attended, you know, um, one particular... Uh, Baptist Church, you know, bless, you know, sweet people. They love the Lord, very dedicated, certainly appreciate them. And, you know, the, the one dear woman who, you know, the wife of the pastor, every Sunday, you know, we had, they had to end, the, I attended their services sometimes, every service they had to end, you know, in the same song. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay. Have you never read the Bible? Have you never read the Bible? Have you ever even cracked the book open? If you're born again, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. He said, I'll ask my father and he will give you another comforter that he may be in you forever. You don't need to say, come in today, come in to stay. He came to stay. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always. How? Because he's living on the inside. Romans 8, 9 says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So Paul must mean something else. He must be talking about something else. The Passion Translation says this, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. So not just to be in you, but that Christ would live his life through you. What's he talking about? Well, jump toward the end of the, this prayer. There's a lot there, but we don't have time to cover that. But jump to the end of the prayer, verse 19, chapter 3, verse 19. Here's, here's kind of like, you know, the, 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 here's the point that you may be filled. We're talking about vessels, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. These people in Ephesus, they're Christians and they're spirit-baptized Christians. We know that from reading Acts chapter 19, verse 6. They've already, we can deduce that, they've already been baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, but evidently they're not yet filled with all the fullness of God, and that means neither are you or I. There's more. There's more. I said there's more. The Amplified Bible says this, reading, reading that last verse, verse Verse uh, verse 19, it says this, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. The New International Reader's Version says this, then you will be filled with everything that God has for you. God has gifts, he has graces, he has anointings, he has wisdom, he has power, he has callings, other things. How does he give them to you? He fills you with himself, more of himself. We are vessels in the house of the Lord, and vessels are meant to be filled. There's no purpose in an empty container, except to fill it. Hallelujah. Let's go back to our text. I'm going to wrap this up in just a moment here. Again, we, be, we began by reading 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. In my house, we have ordinary steel plates and we also have fine porcelain. My wife does not feed the cat with our wedding china. She only brings, she's got a special place for that. She only brings, I don't even eat on the wedding china. I haven't seen that in years. Well, she only, I don't, I don't even know if it's still there. It does. I guess I, she brings that out for special occasions. So if you come to my house and you see a steel plate, don't feel bad. <laughs> for special occasions, in my house there are polished brass vases that hold lovely flowers and other articles. And then there are plastic buckets that hold rubbish. They're all useful. They all have a purpose. But some are used for more dignified reasons and some for more unpleasant tasks, yet they're all in my house. You are a vessel in God's house. But what kind of vessel? You are useful to the Lord, but in what way? Verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, we talked about honor this morning. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. The purpose of this message is to encourage you to make the determination in your heart, I'm going to be a vessel of honor. I'm going to be a vessel of honor. I'm not going to be a dustbin in the house of the Lord. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a special vessel that God can fill with his most precious jewels, his most precious treasures. Am I alone here? Anybody can witness to that? Do you agree with, you? Agree with that? Hallelujah. If any man cleanses himself, no man can cleanse himself Otherwise, Jesus died in vain. The blood of Jesus cleanses my heart after I have sinned, but I cleanse myself by separating myself from sin, removing anything in my life that's displeasing to the Lord. We are righteous by faith, but we must live right. We are holy, but we must live holy. So whether we are used for exalted tasks or dirty work, I don't mean morally dirty, but maybe less noble purposes. It's up to you. Because if you cleanse yourself, you will be a vessel of honor. He didn't say, well, you know, there's the Billy Grahams, and, you know, and then there's the, you know, then there's like the Earl Robertses, and, you know, then there's the, people, the Brother Hagens. You know, they, they're just the special ones, and everybody else is just going to have to be kind of ordinary, useless. No, 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 no. If any man will separate himself, From anything that's dishonoring to God, he will be a vessel of honor. All of the tabernacles, all of the tabernacles, sorry, all of the vessels in the tabernacle were made of pure gold. Why? Well, pure gold, it's rare, it's precious, it's valuable, and there's no mixture, there's no alloy. There's no base metal mixed in with it, it's pure. The point is this, this signifies the kind of life God aspires for us to live, pure gold, in Christian character, in Christ-likeness, in humility and honor. Come on, this is not something sad, don't look dejected, this is something to be glad about, hallelujah, this is good news, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, glory to God. A. A. Allen, I think his first name was Alfonso, Alfonso Allen, was a pastor of a small church in America. But his heart was hungry for miracles, to see the power of God in demonstration. And he locked himself in a closet, literally a closet in his house, and sought the Lord fervently. In fact, he determined, I'm not coming out of this room till I've heard from heaven, he said after several days, he doesn't even know how long he was in there. I'm not telling you to do this. This is his story. After being there several days, he said, suddenly there shone a bright light in that dark closet. And a voice spoke to him. And God gave him a list of things that stood between him and the power of God. He saved, he's baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, in a measure he knows the word of God, but that doesn't mean you're filled with all the fullness of God. So God gave him a list of things that stood between him, him personally, and the power of God, the miracle-working power of God. These were changes that he needed to make in his life. Most of them were attitudes, bad attitudes like pride and foolishness. When I was... a uh, when I was younger, of course, I'm young now. But even before, even when I was younger than I am now, when I was younger, you know, my mother got a hold of this verse from the book of Ecclesiastes that says, I think, you know, uh, a few flies spoil the apothecary's perfume. You know, the ointment of uh, 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 of the apothecary. You know, just a few flies spoil you know the perfume. A- and so is it someone who, who's known for wisdom but acts foolishly. So anytime I did something foolish, my mother would say, "Flies." Flies, 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 flies. But you know what? I didn't know that would be the life verse. (laughs) The verse of my life. But there's a lot of truth there. Sometimes just a little foolishness. Just just, just 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 remove that. Sometimes that's not a big change. The Bible says the, the small foxes spoil the vine. Sometimes it's just a little thing. We think it's some major thing. You know, you gotta, I just, you know, I gotta change my entire personality. No, God just sanctify your personality. But but sometimes just a little change, just a little thing, can make a huge difference in your life. Amen. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So if God deals with you, seems like He's getting on your case about walking in humility or, or, being, or being obedient or something. You know, don't get aggravated. Don't get antagonistic, you know, toward the preacher or the, your pastor or, or however the message is coming to you. That just means God's, you're a vessel prepared for glory. He's got to, just some little things He's got to deal with because He wants to fill you with His glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He made those changes and miracles, I mean literally, miracles started happening in his ministry. Hey, Allen went home to the Lord many, many years ago, but he had miracle crusades all over America, even in other nations. Amazing things happened. Paralyzed people get up and walk and, and all, you know, all kinds of things like that, and, and demon-possessed people set free. Hallelujah. I'm not suggesting that if you you pray long enough and hard enough that you'll start doing miracles. That may not be your calling. That may not be your assignment. God will give you what you need. God will equip you for your calling. Your calling may be something else. God will give you the tools according to the job that he has selected for you. But you you see, even if you're called to something, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll just step into it automatically. If a man cleanses himself, he will be a vessel of honor. There's some things that we have to do. There's, even though we're chosen and selected, even though it's your divine destiny, there's no guarantee it will happen because God requires your cooperation. Hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We are vessels of the Lord. We are vessels of the Lord. Would you stand with me to your feet today?